Hello, welcome to Book Talk. And this is your host, Anthony Moirore. And at Book, at Book Talk, as always, we get to ha have a, an author come and speak about his book or her book. And today we have with us a great guest. You can see he's ready to fly the plane. He's set. <laughs> his name is uh, Cassie Bell. Now, Cassie Bell is an author. I've just begun on writing. Cassie Bell has been in it for years and years, and he's written over 20 books. So when we talk about someone who's written 20 books, you know that he knows what he is doing. <laughs> and uh, today we are blessed to have him with us. Thank you very much, Cassie Bell. And uh, we welcome you. Welcome to the show, Cassie Bell. Thank you. Thank you for the invitation. Yes, we are very honored to have you here. And uh, I know if we start mentioning about all the books that you've written, it's going to take half of the program. But anyway, right. <laughs> <laughs> what I have much interest about, and I know that uh, most of my viewers will have an interest on, is one book which you call Four Keys to Success. And uh, even though we would like you to introduce yourself and maybe mention one or two books there. The four keys to success, that's what we're gonna focus on as we keep on moving. But please, let me not take the time on the program because this is your show. Welcome and please tell us a bit about yourself. So I'm Casey Bell, um, I'm here in New Jersey, USA. And as far as me being an author, I've ever since a child I wrote um, mostly creatively, I would write songs, poems, sometimes I would write TV shows and perform them for myself, um, write commercials and things of that nature. So I've always written, but I never thought that writing would be a, a job for me because when I was in school, I couldn't seem to do English well. Ah. I always got C's and D's and um, the teachers would explain to me, you know, the proper way to write a paper and essays and things of that nature, and I would write it. I thought I would get an A and I would get a C or a D and I just got frustrated. So originally, definitely by the time I was in eighth grade, I thought I'd just be an actor. So I was still writing, but it's still never, I still never thought that that's what I would be doing. Mm -hmm. um, so fast forward to, I would say around 2006, 2007, this lady at my church knew someone who published a book. Okay. So she invited her to come to the church to do a how to publish a book um, seminar. So I had the idea of writing a book by then, but in my mind, my, my English wasn't good enough. I couldn't, you know, the grammar, the content, all that. So, but I took the, the course anyways, just to see if I can get information. Okay. So I took the course, and in 2007, I decided I'm going to go ahead and publish this book. And so that was my, the beginning. And then from 2007 to now, it's been a, a a learning journey because you think you publish a book and that's it, but you don't realize if you don't have a big publishing company behind you, you have to do all of the work as far as advertising, marketing, and things of that nature. So yeah. that's what I've been learning along the way. And I've also been learning how to re-educate myself on how to write well, because I realized school just didn't know how to teach me. And in learning myself, I learned how to write properly so that it is, you know, good. And so that is um, my background in writing and in publishing. Whoa, that's, that's beautiful. 
and you say, like many people would say in several areas of their life that I'm not good at it, so I'm not gonna pursue it. I'm not gonna do something about it. So you were not a writer. You were not writing well in school and someone could have just given up and you are also on that lane of giving up, but at some point <laughs> you picked it up. So that's quite interesting. And this goes to the listeners out there. If there's something that you're not good at, you can always find the way to go about it and come out shining. And especially if it's in writing, we have Cassie Bell with us here. And Cassie Bell, can you please tell us 22 books? That's, that's about, it's about 13 years uh, now. So that means more than one book per year. <laughs> Yeah. Where, where, where do you get all the, I mean, all the courage, all the info, all, I mean, everything. I, we even don't know where to start. I mean, how does it, how did you make it all up to this point? Well, most of my books are fiction. Um, um, I guess you could say as a writer, or I should say the gift that I have. Um, I personally believe you have talents that know how to work, that know how to do with it. They know how to do what they need to do. We just have to allow the gift or the talent to work. And so as my writing talent, if we're, let's say, at a park, you may just see a dog, but mm -hmm. I can see a magical dog in the story behind it mm -hmm. by looking because that's what the gift does. And so um, I can see something or I can go through an experience and say, well, maybe I can write a story about this, but change the, the, the ending or change how the situation actually happened, I can turn it into maybe a lesson or something. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's automatic that I do that. And it's not something I do on purpose or try to do. It just happens uh, without even yeah. thinking about it. I don't say I'm going to write. I can go outside, literally see a penny and automatically I can have a, a fantasy story about this penny. And most people say, it's just a penny. How did you see that? Because the talent inside me saw that. And so I just use it. So I would get ideas originally, and then I would write them out. But again, because I didn't think they were good enough or my English wasn't good enough, I would just put it to the side and say, maybe one day I'll have the money to pay a ghostwriter to make it better than what I think it is. So the thing that really did it for me was I wrote this book about um, this boy who had to leave. Well, he didn't have to leave his neighborhood, but he, he accused his friends uncle of something and the town didn't believe him so he decided to leave and when he came back 10 years later they find out the truth and etc cetera, etc cetera. but in the book was i um they go on vacation to the bahamas and i use they go to church to um what's his name uh, monroe i don't know if you know pastor monroe at the Bahamas. Yeah, i do yeah i had him in the book and when he passed away, I realized I didn't get a chance to publish the book for him to see it before he passed away. And I felt bad because the only reason why I didn't publish it is because I didn't think it was good enough. And I was waiting to get a um, ghostwriter to make it better. Mm -hmm. So that was the thing that made me realize that I can't keep waiting for something. I just have to do it. And so that's when I started publishing books. And it seems like, like 2007 was the first book. And then I don't think 2010 was the second book and then I waited to 2014 and then I said let me just start publishing these books and um, that's exactly how I ended up publishing so many because I already had the books set and ready to go I was just waiting 
for a ghostwriter to make them better, so to speak. And so that's how. Wow, that, that's even quite interesting. Let me understand this. You wrote the book in 2007. You wrote another one in, was it 2014? 2010. 2010, and then you wrote 2014. And all those books were not published yet. They were just manuscripts. Yeah, I was just waiting for the right time. To for the right time. And for it to be perfect. I mean, and, yeah. I, and I'm trying to imagine that the, the many things that we are always waiting for, that perfect time, that that time that I'm going to make everything work out right, I'm going to write, uh, have the right connection, uh, have uh, enough money, have, uh, I mean, all my friends are agreeing with me, and we can wait for years and years. But I, I thank you because you did, you did quite good. If I can remember myself, I had written a book sometime in 2007, but I never published it. And uh, until even today is not published. But a few months ago, a book came into mind and uh, through a lot of uh, interaction and people encouraging me and motivating me, the book came out and I have a book now. So my first book. So you didn't, it didn't take you more than 10 years for you to publish your own. So congrats, congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and now, because with the people that are listening here, we have people who have dreams and they would like to achieve them, but then they've been waiting for that perfect time or the conditions to be perfect. What would you tell them? Well, from my own experience, perfection doesn't come until after you do it. And so um, the money doesn't come until after you do it. You have everything you need. It's just not what society tells you you need. Mm -hmm. So you're waiting to get what society tells you you're supposed to have instead of realizing that you already have it. And it's mostly because we're waiting to do what's already been done to be successful instead of doing what's never been done to be successful. Ah. So if you do what's never been done, then there's nothing you need because there's, it's not done yet. So you don't need what they say you need because you're not doing what's already been done. You have to create what's needed because it hasn't been done yet. And so it's, it's kind of like um, Thomas Edison didn't actually invent the light bulb, he just enhanced it. But what he used to enhance it didn't exist until he created it. And so you have to be the one to create what doesn't actually exist yet in order to use it to do what you need to do. But because we are seeing beings, we want to see everything before we do it. And unfortunately, to be successful, you have to create what doesn't exist. And it takes a lot of faith and a lot of um, courage because, you know, I don't know about where you are in Greece, but America, we're taught that you need to have a college degree. And then there are some um, jobs where you read and they say that you need five years of experience, you need to know how to use this software, you need to know how to use that. And so they're already telling you in order to be successful, you need all of this stuff. And so that's what we think is that in order for me to be successful, in order for me to patent this, in order for me to publish this, I need all of this stuff first. And we don't realize you really don't. If you want a job, you need all of that stuff. But if you're creating your own, you don't need it. So you just have to by faith and it's not easy because everything you do looks like it's wrong. And of course we're expecting, you know, if we sow a seed today, we know it's not coming up tomorrow. Mm -hmm. But we expect when I do something today, 
tomorrow my bank account is going to have a billion dollars in it. And we have to realize it, it, it doesn't work that way. It really takes time. Yeah. The journey is more important than the destination. Whoa, whoa. That's quite powerful. I, I mean, we are looking for something that exists, whereas the world would actually need something that has not been existing. So what we bring out as an original service or uh, um, product, that's what the world needs. And nobody's gonna judge you because it's your original. <laughs> right. Yeah, oh, that's, that's quite powerful. And uh, yeah, once again, to those people who are watching this, you don't have to stay uh, unsuccessful because you think that what you have is not going to match up with something that has already been created. You can create your own. And uh, at this point, would like to go and focus more on the book that I have an interest on, which is the four keys to success because we are kind of into, the, into it already. Uh, how about how to be successful? So tell us a bit more about the four keys to success, the book. So the book um, in my mind was never going to be written. Um, what I did was I noticed some things about us as human beings. And I noticed that the reason why we're so unsuccessful is because we misidentify ourselves. So I came up with this um, demonstration and it was in February, right before the, the, the pandemic, I did a um, Sunday morning class at church. That's and 2020? I, yes, 20. February 2020. Okay. Um, and I did a demonstration at church about the reason why um, people are unsuccessful and also the reason why there's so much um, discrimination, why there's so much, um, you know, people criticizing each other and making fun of each other and bullying each other. And I did this demonstration and I'll, I'll do it now is I told everyone to take out a paper and pen. And if they didn't have one, I gave them one. And I told them to just take one of your hands and draw it. But I have one. Okay. <laughs> And so most importantly, I told him, um, I said, this is not an art project. This is not a competition. So it doesn't have to be perfect. Okay. But most importantly, draw the lines you see on your hands, your, your handprint. And I told him to do that. I gave them about, I think a minute or two to do it. Okay. Then I told him to look at it. And I said, is there anything wrong with your, your hand? And they said, no. I said, okay. I said, now take that paper and trade it with someone else. Uh-huh. And I said, now look at someone else's hand and look at it. Is there anything wrong with it? And they said, no. I said, but is it different from yours? And they were like, yes. I said, so then what's wrong with it? And they said, you know, nothing. Our, our hands are supposed, our prints are supposed to be different and unique. And I said, that's why we're unsuccessful. That's why we're discriminating because we think we're all supposed to be the same, do the same, have the same life. We're all supposed to go to college, get a job. We're all supposed to retire. We're all supposed to get Alzheimer's and forget everything and die but no one realizes that your fingerprints are telling you what you're supposed to be doing with your life and it's not supposed to match someone else's. Wow. And that's why we have so much anger with one another because we're trying to force everyone to be like us instead of realize you are the only person who's supposed to be like you. Mm -hmm. That's including your children. A lot of times, oh, my child didn't do this or when I was a child, exactly, they came out of you, but they're still not you. They still ah. have their own set of fingerprints and, and um, also feet prints their path is not supposed to be the same as yours where they walk um the universe knows where you belong your feet belong so if mm -hmm. your feet print is in someone else's pathway it's going to know you don't belong there and you're not going to have any success okay in that pathway because you're not where you're supposed to be 
Mm -hmm. And so I did this demonstration. Everyone's like, oh, this is amazing. And then someone says, you should put that in a book. And I said, well, no, because as I said, the, dem the demonstration is what made people get it. Mm -hmm. That they're looking at their hand and looking at someone else's hand. And naturally, we don't think there's anything wrong with having different fingerprints, but yet we think there's something wrong with having different lifestyles or different. Um, we think if someone sings, the only thing they can do is record an album. And yeah. it's like, well, maybe they can be in the hospital singing to people who are sick and that that themselves can be how they, you know, it doesn't always have to be the same thing. Mm -hmm. They can use their gift for whatever way their fingerprint tells them they're supposed to do it. Yeah. And so I was like, no, it can't be in a book. And so as time went on, I began to rethink maybe there is a way I can put this in a book. And I believe it was, hmm, I don't even, I don't remember, I don't know if it was 2020 or 2021 when I finally decided to write it and publish it. Mm -hmm. But the four keys, which I just discussed, the first key is identifying yourself. And that's, um, so we know handprints and we know feet prints are unique, but what people also don't know is your ears also have their own unique print. Mm -hmm. So I always say this jokingly, if you're going to rob something, do not press your ears up against anything because if the a detective notices there's an ear print, they now know that they can identify that person ah. because only your ear print is going to show up okay. in there. So that means lots of times we hear things, oh, I heard something told me, or I heard something told me to start this business, but I don't know if it's right. That's because the voice you hear knows they're speaking to you because of your ear print. Mm -hmm. Because of your unique ear print, that voice knows I'm talking to you. This is for you and only for you. Okay. So yes, people might tell you you're wrong. And yes, people might tell you that's not going to work because no one's ever done it. Yes, people are going to tell you that doesn't sound right mm -hmm. because they didn't receive the, because the voice knows who you are by your ears. Oh. So when you hear that voice, some people call it the universe, some people call it Holy Spirit, some people call it their conscious, that voice knows they're specifically talking to you because your ear print is completely unique. Okay. The other thing that's unique, believe it or not, are, is our mouth. Mm -hmm. We know that our teeth, um, when people die, they can um, identify the person by their teeth. Mm -hmm. We also know the lip prints is unique as well. Again, if you are in doing something wrong, don't drink anything, especially if you have lipstick on because they'll be able to know your lips was the one that drank from that cup. Okay. And then your tongue has a print on it as well. That's completely unique. So if your tongue print gets on anything, they can tell that it was yours. So our voice, our mouth, when we speak is unique. And so lots of times um, we'll change the way we speak because it may not please people or um, we'll change even now the news. Everyone speaks according to what's, the bandwagon. Mm -hmm. So if it's okay to talk about someone, a celebrity who went to prison and everyone's doing it, we're all going to do that. Yeah. So, but if it's, if it's talking about someone we all like, um, or we're afraid to mention something, we won't use our, 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 our mouth, our voice, because mm -hmm. now that's not. And so we have to understand your voice is unique. You're not supposed to sound like everyone else. You're not supposed to talk about the same thing everyone else is talking about. You really are supposed to use your unique voice. And you, as a lot of people speak affirmations in the morning, yeah. that in itself is a key because the universe knows it's you. Yeah. And it, it, it listens to you. Mm -hmm. And then the, the last thing, let's see, one, two, 
three, four. The last thing that's unique are your irises. Mm -hmm. They haven't um, perfected it just yet, but they're still um, trying to do the whole, um, what do you call it? Um, lock systems and security systems where you can look and it reads your irises and yeah. it knows that that's you. So the door opens or the whatever. And so your iris is unique, which means the visions you see. A lot of times we go, oh, I thought of this great idea. And people go, mm, don't even think about it. That's because it wasn't for them. Yeah. Now, unfortunately, most people, there are two ways to see things. There's the vision and then there's the actual sight. Mm -hmm. So for instance, um, before Henry Ford started his business, cars were expensive. And the only people who could afford them were the wealthy. Mm -hmm. So Henry Ford worked for a car company and he said, you know, I have this vision on how we can make cars affordable for everyone. Mm -hmm. And his company said, that's not a good idea. So he quit and he, he created Henry Ford um, Motors. Mm -hmm. Now the vision he saw was it was possible to make cars affordable, but no one else saw it. Yeah. Including the middle class. The middle class people didn't think it was a good idea either. Mm -hmm. Even though he was making the cars for them, they thought it wasn't a good idea. Mm -hmm. But now today, because we can see affordable cars, we now know it's possible. Yeah. So some people realize that what they vision can be possible, while others won't believe anything is possible until they actually see it with their sight. Mm -hmm. So you have to be okay with having visions and not being so quick to share with people. Because mm -hmm. unfortunately, even you think, oh, this is my best friend. We grew up since kindergarten. That doesn't mean anything. If they can't see the vision, they're just not going to get behind it, unfortunately. Oh. So you have to learn how to work on the vision. And anyone who, who's supposed to help you, they will. God will send them to you. Uh -huh. And they will see the vision and help you bring it along. And like I said, unfortunately, most, and I, and I get this a lot because when people say, oh, um, there's someone on Instagram who said she started her own business and her family and friends told it was a bad idea and now she's successful with it. Yeah. And I told her, I said, so did anyone apologize to you once they realized you were successful? And she said, no. And so you have to, that's it's just the way it is. They're going to criticize you. And when you become successful, don't expect an apology because you're not going to get it. Mm -hmm. And so that, that was the first key. Um, identified, identifying who you are and understanding it's okay not only for you to be different, but yeah. it's okay for everyone else to be different. And mm -hmm. you shouldn't criticize each other. And so the second key is um, finding the original you. Okay. So I will say by the time you're between the ages of four and eight, you're the person you're supposed to be. Mm -hmm. From nine to 18, from home, church, and school, you're, you get lost because your home tells you this is what you can and can't do. The church tells you this is what you can and can't do. Mm -hmm. Maybe like the school told me I wasn't smart enough to, to write, you know, school tells you, you know, you're a medio, um, you're too loud. Um, you really shouldn't be wearing that. Why are you doing this? Um, what's wrong with your hair? Why is it pink? You know, it, it, um, even though this is who you are, because you don't fit in, all of the institutions are now telling you wrong. And on, and on subconsciously, we begin to change who we are so that we can please our parents, we can yeah. please our pastors, and we can please our teachers and the students we go to school with. Mm -hmm. By the time we get out of high school, we've gotten so used to being that other person we're not, we just stay that person. Uh -huh. And we try to, how do I say, we try to be an eagle swimming with the penguins instead of being an eagle flying with eagles. 
<laughs> because people accepted penguins. So that's what we decided to be. And we're trying to figure out why can I swim with the penguins? Because that's not, that's not who you are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I say, go back to the age from four to nine and, and really think hard. What were you doing that you enjoyed so much that you stopped because someone told you that wasn't something you should be doing? Mm -hmm. And once you figure that out, go back and start doing it again, like I did. When I realized I was writing my whole life, like literally every day I was writing something. Okay. That was the only thing I did my whole life. And when I realized I stopped because the school system told me I wasn't good enough, I said, well, let me go back to that. Mm -hmm. The third key is called um, the, the um, crab mentality. That? Now, most people, when they think of the crab mentality, they think of the crab in the barrel mentality, which is when you see crabs in a barrel and one is trying to exit the barrel, the other ones pull the crab down. Okay. So um, that's what they do naturally in a barrel. So mm -hmm. people immediately say, oh, if you're, you know, criticizing people or you're tearing people down, you're like a crab. But that's what they do in a barrel. But as we know, according to nature, crabs don't belong in the barrel naturally. They belong by the sea and the oceans. Okay. Now, if you know anything about the seas and the oceans, they're limitless. And all shellfish are have no limits. They can go to any sea, any ocean they want, and basically eat anything that's dead because their job is to clean the waters to keep it clean. Yeah. So naturally, when crabs get to a body um, or something that's dead, that's too big for them because. Anything that's dead, there's a time clock of when it starts um, causing bacteria and mm -hmm. um, parasites and things of that nature. So the shellfish has to consume it before that time period. Mm -hmm. So when a shellfish gets to the point to a like even a human body, because we know sometimes human bodies are dumped and they realize I can't eat this in enough time, they make noises that signal other crabs, come help me because I have to finish this project, but I can't do it alone. Okay. So naturally, crabs don't actually tear each other down. They, they bring each other together to finish a project that needs to be done okay. for other people. Because the purpose of a crab is to keep the other sea animals from dying from this death, this dead thing. Yeah. So naturally, they bring to each other together for the good. But when they're in their unnatural state of being in a barrel, that's when they tear each other down. Uh -huh. So when you are criticizing and tearing people down, it's because you are in your unnatural state of being enslaved of you need to go to college and get a job. You can't do this. You can't do that. You can't wear this. You shouldn't be over here. You shouldn't have this friend. You shouldn't. And you start putting yourself in this barrel of what I can't do. So when you see someone else doing what they said, women aren't supposed to do that. And if you're black, you shouldn't be doing this. And if you are a Gemini, you can't be doing that. So when you start seeing people like you doing what you were told you shouldn't be doing, instead of saying, oh, I can do that, you naturally have that state of, well, if I'm not going to do it until they're not going to do it either. Mm -hmm. So now let me drag them down with my words so they can feel horrible for doing what I was trying to do, but told I wasn't supposed to. Yeah. And so what people have to do to become successful is get back to the natural state of being by the seas and oceans where you have no limits. Mm -hmm. You know, it doesn't matter whether the crab is male or female, they do this. There's no limits. You know, there's yeah. no female crab that cannot do what a male crab can do. They all do the same thing, which is keep the waters clean. And there is no 
you know, there are crabs come in all different shape sizes and colors. There's mm -hmm. no prejudice. Oh, you can't be over here, crab. This ain't water for you. This 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 side of the water is for white crabs only. They <laughs> don't do that. There is no limits for crabs. Wherever they smell dead bodies, they go and clean it up. Mm -hmm. There are no limits. And so when you get back to your natural state of no limits, then you don't go around tearing people down with your words and you're more successful and you bring other people together with you to solve a problem or finish a product. Oh, wow, that's beautiful. Because I also read a book in narration to that about being in a uh, position and an, an environment of no limits. And someone put it uh, this way. He says that, uh, yes, we are looking for gold and everyone thinks, oh, many people think that the gold is over, that it has already been got. But someone said that, the greatest gold mine in the world has not been discovered yet. I mean, the world is limitless. Whatever you can do in this life is limitless. And you've got to bring back your mentality into that state of uh, opportunities being limitless. That's the only time that you're not going to bring your brother down or your sister down because he's trying to do something that is out of the ordinary from the small limited area that we've found ourselves in yeah so yeah, yeah the crab mentality i've never heard that uh, about yeah. that that the outside in the sea where there's no limits they come together they support one another and they call each other when they see an opportunity that's good right that's that's their natural state but like i said when you put them where they don't belong that's when they don't function in their natural state yeah so. Yeah, it's, ah. it's definitely something um, we need to think more about. Okay, wonderful. So that's one, two, three, let's go to four. So the fourth key is understanding, because um, here in America, we ask our children, what do you want to be when you grow up? Yeah. And it sounds like a good question, but it's actually a bad question. You should yeah. never ask a child what I they want to be when they grow up. Yeah. And the reason why that is the, the perfect example not exactly sure if um how many people are watching their ages but for those who are young very young there once was a time in the history of the world where there were these things called a-track players and a-tracks mm -hmm. and they were how people listen to music mm -hmm. so if you grew up you knew that the a-tracks broke a lot and you you know you had to um fix them Mm -hmm. So as a child, if you said, when I grow up, I want to be someone who fixes A-tracks, that sounds fine. Mm -hmm. By the time A-tracks go out of business, you now are out of business. <laughs> okay. Right? Yeah. So it's not about what do you want to be when you grow up, it's what can you do today? Ah. Because no one needs you tomorrow, they need you today. Uh-huh. Right? Yeah. So yeah. if you can see, you know, now your children, okay our neighbor across the street is 100 years old they can't mow their own lawn mm -hmm. and they haven't been bringing anyone to do it mm -hmm. there's money i will mow your lawn for this amount of money because yeah. that's what's needed today mm -hmm. now once that neighbor dies or moves away what's next yeah okay now there's a new that he moved away he's now in a nursing home a new family is in there mom and dad with the child they need a babysitter mm -hmm. there's there's money that's what's needed today. 
today. So if you say I want to be an eight track player fixer, then you just limit yourself. But if you say I want to be in the music business, then that means when eight tracks go out of business and now there's cassette tapes, now you can fix cassette tapes. Mm -hmm. And then when cassette tapes go out of business, now they have CDs, now you can fix CDs. And then when CDs go out of business, maybe you can fix iPods or iPads or MP3 players. But just as long as you think about what's needed today and not tomorrow, then you'll always be in business. Because no matter what you do, what you know today, at some point, it's not going to be known anymore. It's going to be obsolete. It's going to go out of business. It's not going to be there anymore. And then the question is now, what do you do for money? Oh. And so don't focus on tomorrow because what you know today may not be there tomorrow. Oh. There was a time for, I'll say what, May 2020 up until about, I'll say April 2021, being in the mask business was the thing to do. Yeah. But prior to that, no one did that because no, nobody. it wasn't necessary. Uh -huh. But in that moment in time, being in the mask business was necessary. So that's what people did. Mm -hmm. And so it's not about what are you going to be when you grow up tomorrow. It's who needs you today? Because there's always someone who needs your services today. And it's going to change from time to time. Oh, yeah. Focus on what, who can you help today and why? What, what do people need today? Not thinking about tomorrow. Because, you know, if a child is 12 today, by the time they're 18, I don't know that masks are really going to matter anymore. I mean, I some you. people might still be afraid and still wear masks, but they won't be as popular as they once were. It's going to be a very small percentage by that time, if at all it's still going to exist. I mean, yeah, what you see today is not going to be existing tomorrow. That's what I believe, right. too. So it's, it's there's always like that. It. Yeah. Uh -huh. And even when, when you say things like, um, well, police officers are always going to be around. Mm -hmm. We don't know that. Maybe something is going to change because there was a time when police officers didn't exist. Oh, yeah. So, it's, so those who were around and between police officers not existing and existing, that job opportunity came up for them now to have. Mm -hmm. so we don't know what job opportunities are about to show up that might change someone's mind who say, I want to be, you know, someone who makes masks into I want to be someone who whatever is coming up the road. That's what I want to do instead now. No, you, you mentioned that and it may seem strange to someone who's listening today about being a policeman. And I read an, an article just a few days ago. I don't know whether you've seen that or whoever is listening has seen that. It, it's not a far-fetched idea because the article that I read a few days ago is that, uh, was it in uh, Norway, Poland or Sweden, one of the Northern uh, uh, countries of uh, Europe, that 16 prisons have been closed because there are no more crime. There's no more crime. Oh, right. Did you did you get to see that? No, but I am aware that um, there are countries that are doing it the right way, and mm -hmm. I know that they're closing they're closing prisons, um, so they're not needed as much. So it's not a published so, idea. What yeah. we're talking about is uh, and, and the the idea is. Uh, being in the moment, but ready for adaptability. Right. What do you need to do? Yeah. And then uh, what happens tomorrow? You know, even if you are a babysitter, if they're five years old, if you're still babysitting at 12, what you did for them at five is not needed anymore. Yeah. So now you have to up your game. And what does that child need when they're 12? Mm -hmm. And you can't be focused on tomorrow because 
tomorrow for you may not get here. Mm -hmm. Or what you want tomorrow may not be here. Yeah. You know, so it's. That that's kind of uh, takes me back to scripture because I hear you're Christian. I'm a Christian too, and takes us uh, as back to the scripture. Do not worry about tomorrow, for right. tomorrow will worry about itself. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, the, the the perfect example is those who graduated college in May of 2019, and they got a degree in music or theater or dance didn't know March 2020 would ruin their dreams. Mm -hmm. So the question was, do you sit and wait or do you find another job? You find something else, you, you figure it out because no one knows what tomorrow is going to be. And yeah. I, that's why the Bible says don't focus on tomorrow. Because even with psychics and prophets, you still can't see tomorrow as you will see it when it gets here. Yeah. So it's no point in focusing on what do you want to be tomorrow? It's who needs your help today? Mm -hmm. And that's that's what you focus on. Oh yeah, sure. Who needs your help today? And uh, when you talk about help, this thing I know that uh, someone said that success your success is dependent upon how many problems you're gonna solve. Yes. So who's that who needs your help today? It's not tomorrow. Today, right. as Cassie Bell tells us. Yeah, yes. so so that that's the four keys to success. Identify yourself, find original the uh, the ori original you, and have the crab mentality, uh, understanding what people need today, living in the present. Yeah, so, so, so wonderful uh, keys to success. And I believe whoever is watching this, if you take these four keys and apply them in your own life you can always come out successful and you cannot be surprised when things happen because you know that change is bound to happen but when change is happening you always waited upon to adapt to the change that is happening around you so yeah. be ready be ready and uh, now if you haven't gotten this book yet please go and get it. The Four Keys to Success by Cassie Bell. And uh, can you tell us your website, please, so that we can uh, get to know how to connect with you? Sure, it is authorcaseybell.com. Authorcaseybell.com. So we're gonna share that. And uh, on uh, Amazon, you can always get this Four Keys to Success. I saw it there, I saw it. Yes, Amazon, <laughs> um, Barnes & Noble's website as well. Uh, okay. And uh, yes, we know you have so many books. So if you have this wisdom in this one book, hey, viewer, hey, listener, go and find out what the other books are, the 20 plus books. And yeah. uh, don't be left out in this opportunity to get, uh, to grab some wisdom from Casey Bell who has given us such an honor to be on our program. And uh, just before we sign out, we would like you to tell us something that you'd like us to keep with us, even before we go. Go ahead. Something to keep with you. Um, one of my favorite things to say is, be as unique as your fingerprints. And if you are in a situation and you don't know what to do, just look at your hands. 
and look at the lines, study the lines, um, and really realize that you're not supposed to do what everyone else has done and it's okay. It really is okay to be different. And yes, there, there are gonna be challenging because we live in a world where being the same is accepted as opposed to being different. And if you wanna stay and be successful, you have to get used to being different. And, and no, people are gonna talk, people are gonna shade and call you names, et cetera, et cetera. But at some point you have to get, you have to, for me, the reason why I'm not offended is because I understand people are just ignorant. You know, they haven't gotten this teaching yet. So I understand that. So I'm not gonna be offended and I'm definitely not gonna stop being unique just because they have yet to learn that's what they're supposed to do too. So always remember to be unique as your fingerprints. And when you're at a position where you don't know what to do, look at your hands and your prints and let your prints like tell you what you're supposed to be doing. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I stretch out my hand and I look at my lines and also my fingerprints and also know how I'm seeing things, my vision, where it's gonna take me. <laughs> oh, this is wonderful. This is really, really wonderful. And uh, thank you very much. But still, before you go, you mentioned about challenges because I've found out I'm unique, I'm special, I'm extraordinary, I am you, me. And uh, from the look, I can do things that are special to me and pursue them whether others are in support of it or not. But then I'm gonna face the challenges. How do you overcome those challenges that you face along the way? Um, you have the, as I said, the second key, go back to your original self. Okay. Um, from, I don't know. Um, so children, I say the ages of five and nine, when they're first learning to ride a bike, they don't allow falling off stopping. It's still a challenge, right? And then even once you know how to ride a bike, you can still fall, but you still get back up. Yeah. And so that's with everything, roller skating, rollerblading, ice skating, um, skateboarding, um, even climbing a tree. You know, the things we did as children, we didn't let challenges stop us if we wanted it. Even younger, four or three years old. Mm -hmm. when, um, when children get to the age of, they don't want you holding it anymore. They want to walk by they want to put these shoes on by themselves. They want to eat for themselves. And you're trying to help them. And they're like, no, leave me alone. I can do it myself. That's, that's who we originally are. We were originally created to want to do things ourselves. But like I said, once you get into the school system, you start learning that you're not supposed to do anything for yourself. Everybody's going to do it for you. They're going to teach you. They're going to educate you. And all you have to do is sit there and listen and believe it. Mm -hmm. So you have to get back to the original you where you're okay with falling off the bike, you know, you know, brushing, you know, figuring out. And I would say when you fail, figure out what happened, learn from it, take notes if you, because a lot of the times your failure could be great notes for your next book. Mm -hmm. So take notes, learn from it, make any apologies necessary, and then you get back up and you try it again. And once you get back to your original self of learning how to ride a bike, um, the English language fail is either F-E-L-L -L, meaning falling or F-A-I-L meaning not succeeding. So I say, if you fail when you were riding a bike and you got back up, do the same thing with success. When you fail, just get back up. Mm -hmm. It's easier than we made it. Ah, thank you very much. Such a beautiful, ah, 
beautiful, beautiful time that we've had with you, Kesebel. We really appreciate you sharing with us these four keys to success. And uh, we look forward to getting to know much more from you. And uh, hey, everyone remember authorkesebel.com, go and follow. And uh, yes, take the book and get to know much more from Casey Bell. So once again, we can't thank you enough, Casey Bell, for taking your time. Thank you very, very, very much. We really appreciate it. You're welcome. And thank you for the invitation. Okay. And uh, have a good time. And all the viewers, thank you very much. And uh, God bless you. Bye for now. Bye.